This episode of the Kill by Kill podcast is brought to you in part by There's Something Wrong with the Children. That's right, a group of friends on a weekend cabin trip begin to suspect something supernatural is at play when kids behave strangely. After disappearing into the woods overnight, There's Something Wrong with the Children is the latest horror film from Blumhouse Productions. It's available right now to buy or rent on digital. This film is not rated, and to celebrate the release of There's Something Wrong with the Children, we're going to give away five digital copies of the film to Kill by Kill listeners. Just email us at killbykillpod at gmail.com that's killbykillpod at gmail.com to get your very own digital copy of There's Something Wrong With The Children Uh, email right away and you might win your own copy today and now the body count continues Gentlemen, boys and girls, menu time is here. That's right, we're talking about, well, the menu on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from an isolated uh, island. And the restaurant we call the Hawthorne. You're welcome. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And of course, there's only one person I trust to stab me for my sins, maybe in the balls, but it looks to me like it's the thigh. And I really got angry at that. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Uh, hang on. I, I'm just waiting for my printer to, to finish printing the, the worst thing you've ever done on a tortilla. It is really hard to keep tortillas. <laughs> let, let, let me just pick it up. Let me let me pick it up and look at it. Oh, no. <gasps> my word oh, here. Oh my, I'm just going to oh silently hand it to you. Continuously records naked. Yeah, that is a callback, Gina. Uh, the thing is, there's no video component to this. <laughs> so you don't, I mean, yes, you're forced to imagine it, but you're not actually forced to see it. I don't know that I necessarily need to get stabbed in the groin slash leg in a very ill-defined way and then just carry on with no repercussions for that after the fact. Um, but Gina, before we go any further into our many course meal, I don't want to scare you, but we are not alone. That is right. We have a special guest. You know him from the Square Roots podcast, the classic RPG podcast to be specific. And of course, you remember him as a returning champion here to kill by kill the one, the only John Brandon. How are you doing today, John? Oh, I am just great. Excellent. So happy to have you back in the fold for a meal. We're all going to gather together for a special meal to be made of the menu. And of course, this is a more recent movie. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, before we get into the details of the menu, I thought as per our way here on the show, we would briefly tell our audience whether or not we think the menu is worth them watching. Gina, I turn to you and point to you to go first. I, I loved it. 
I thought it was, I, I am sorry okay. I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, John Brandon, I now turn to you. <laughs> Jacuzzi. Uh, I do recommend it. I was uh, looking for a film to see on, I think it was like December 28th, mm-hmm. and it was playing. I didn't know anything about it. I assumed it was going to be about cannibalism. And yes. is it about cannibalism? I did too. I, I thought it was going to be cannibalism. Yeah. That's what Becky said. If this turns out that he that they're eating people, I go. I don't know. I, I I'm trying to keep spoiler free here. So spoilers. It's not about eating people. Um, that is not something that whoa, is the obvious whoa. place it could go to that it does not go to. Yeah, that is a hot take that I disagree with. But we'll get there. <laughs> okay. Totally a cannibalism movie. All right. Good to know. I am cooler on this movie than I think you two are. I really enjoy the performances of it. I think it's beautifully photographed in a lot of sequences. I have several problems with the script Mm. that I think are fundamentally at issue with my overall enjoyment for it. And I would come back to the uh, the great Gina Rancliffe, who once said, it's fine. For me, this is an it's fine movie. If you have this available for you, let's say you're an HBO Max subscriber, uh, you can tune this up and you will uh, you could love it uh, or you could be kind of cool on it. I don't think it's a bad movie by any stretch, but I, I am looking forward to hearing why you both loved it as much as you did uh, because I found it wanting in some circumstances. Not it's not uh, it's not a it's not like a Halloween ends problem, or let's put it this way: it's certainly not a Halloween kills Gina. That no. now that is a motion picture I do not recommend. <laughs> no, that, that's a that's a big that's a big old thumb down. Yeah, I do feel it was slipping into uh, M Night Shyamalan territory in terms of characterization at some points. Mm. It did feel like it was getting a little the beach where you grow old. Uh, <laughs> sure. It's the restaurant where you grow into a cult member, I think. Is right. The, the only difference. Yeah. Be, just due to some of the flimsier characterizations. I, I think some of them are really well done. You can tell this is a filmmaker trying a new genre and being yes. quite good at it, I think, for a first attempt. Uh, although I, he did not write the script. The script no, and, and we and we'll get to that. So yeah. there you go. For those of you who wanted to listen in and get that non-spoiler section, mm-hmm. a recommendation. You have two big recommends and one. It's fine. <laughs> uh, see it for yourself. I don't think you're gonna hate it. Um, and uh, then you can pause right here or delete this and re-download the episode. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Ooh. It's your phone, okay? I'm not I'm not the dictator of your phone. If you want to download episodes of the Kill by Kill podcast over and over and over again, I'm not going to stop you. Mm-hmm. Um do it on different be, IPs though. Make sure Sure, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> not through this. Yes, go to a Starbucks. <laughs> go, go someplace else. Use a VPN, you know. Uh, give me uniques. That's what we like to see. All right. So now we'll get into spoiler territories. And as you said, uh, John, um, the writers here uh, is not the director. This, this, the movie went through a bit of a process. So mm. the story comes from Will Tracy 
and he then ended up penning the screenplay with a guy named Seth Reese. The film was originally set to star Emma Stone in the Margot mm. role, which is a, that's an interest. That's a choice. I thought she had a real Emma Stone vibe. So I totally yeah. understand this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The I, wig but, said Emma Stone. Yes. But Emma Stone, I don't know, would be the right age right. for the character. Uh, not that I want to be ageist about this or anything, but it you would have to change some things about it to make Emma Stone work. Some things you wouldn't. Um, but uh, it might have had a... a a, a touch more gravitas if that was the way but the real kicker was that it was originally supposed to be uh directed by alexander i don't find women funny pain oh and uh i have a visceral dislike of alexander Payne. um he's a real a-hole uh he stated i don't find women funny at the afi 100 funniest films <laughs> seminar yes. wow on stage and you could you could feel the room like audibly go the fuck you say <laughs> and everyone else on stage like scrambled to, to come up with different things to say so that Alexander Payne would shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, it was awkward. Uh, the the crowd audibly turned on him. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a real interesting maneuver for Mister Payne. Um, so. Now it is uh, the the movie is directed by a guy who directs a lot of HBO stuff, and especially Succession. So I think that's where the vibe of this comes from. It's a very Succession-y type of vibe. Uh, another casting note that I think is worth stating: the role of the movie star that is played by John Leguizamo mm -hmm. was originally supposed to be Harry Potter star Daniel Radcliffe. Oh. He would be playing himself. <laughs> huh. And his sin was his sin was originally starring in the 2015 revisionist dud Victor Frankenstein, penned by motormouth sex criminal Max Landis. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Legazamo uh, has stated in interviews that he based his character on his experiences on set with chronic liar and international sex criminal Steven Seagal. And I got to be honest with you, you really need to up your sleaze level if you're playing Steven Seagal. This seemed like a five or six on the Steven Seagal level, as far as I was concerned. Um, and then two other collaborators that I think are worth a brief mention here, which is Chef Dominique Crenn, uh, who is, I believe, the, the only woman chef, uh, American, who has three Michelin stars. Uh, she created the dishes for the film. And then David Gleb, who photographed the food uh, in much the same way that he photographed them for the Netflix series Chef's Table. So that's not just a call out in the in the show. He is actually photographing that stuff in the same way he did for Chef's Table. So that is my preamble to the menu. So now let's get into the nitty gritty here. Gina... In depth, why did you love the menu so much? Uh, well, I, very simply, I don't like rich people, and I am very pleased to see terrible <laughs> things happen to them. Sure, I, yes. I liked I liked the movie Triangle of Sadness. I liked the movie Glass mm -hmm. Onion, and I very much enjoyed this. Yes, 
listen, I have zero problems uh, watching rich people suffer. I think where I had a bit of an issue here was that I didn't get to see rich people suffer enough. Where my comparison point to the menu are things that are also horror comedies of the vein, okay? So I would go to, on one extreme, I would go to Ready or Not. Now, that, I'm confronted with a host of rich people who are truly heinous, and I get to watch them suffer. Suffer uh, at the hands of each other and a cosmic entity. On the other hand of that, I, I have The Hunt, a movie I really, really love and is also buoyed by some excellent performances. Now, in that, you get to see a lot of people suffer at the hands of one particular misbegotten, you know, frontline worker, and she tears through motherfuckers like it's going out of style. And again, on that end, it is both horrific and funny and pointed. The menu, I feel like, is... it just never reaches the level of pointed commentary or character work that either of those films offer. That's my personal opinion. Johnny, how do you feel? I feel like the, I saw this and glass onion in the same night Mm. and both, that's quite a double feature. (laughs) Both of them involve boat trips to an Island where they have rich people have dinner and then maybe someone dies. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I do think I kind of like the menu better just due to its lack of leaning on cameos. But okay, sure, sure. The cameos that it did have include Judith Light. <laughs> so who was? Yeah, n- I would call that a cameo, Johnny. I think that's one of my main problems with the movie. Why invite Judith Light mm-hmm. to your movie? And she appears in the background of many shots. Yes, and only allow her to deliver. 10 lines of dialogue. Yeah. That to me is a capital motherfucking crime. I feel like um, they could have worked on her. Her and her husband felt like a first draft. Yes. And the actor who plays her husband and his name is, escapes me. Tony Ted. Danza. That's the person who's the boss. But which one is the husband? <laughs> he plays that sad sack rich person who's done something wrong character in so much shit that he it's like his second nature that's Mm -hmm. all he does in media it's not to say that he does it poorly it's just like it's what he always does so that that was a little okay we immediately know what's wrong with him it's like we immediately know what's wrong with all these people but we never expand upon their worst sins it's just surface level sins and it's not that they're not worth punishment but i i expected more i guess right but i it comes down to i do think that the performances carry this movie like anya taylor joy fantastic ray fines really good uh the woman what was her name emma the 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 uh not sous chef she was like a i was assistant um mater d hostess Elsa. Elsa. Elsa, yeah, that was that was yes. Hong Chow. She was she was my favorite character. She's so good. And that's from the beginning, terrifying. You know yes. something's up with that lady. 
No, there. I again, as I said up front, like I think this movie is really buoyed by some very, very good performances. Right, and Hong Chao is right up in there. She is dialed into a very specific mode, mm-hmm. and is given moments to really shine in that in that mo- in in that mode. And I wish everyone else had been given those moments to take their characters to the 11th degree. Right. Nicholas Holt is given that moment, Mm -hmm. but a lot of other people are kind of like, uh, uh, we talk briefly and we're concerned until they're frightened, but then nothing happens. It's, uh, I, yeah, help me out here. I, I mean, Patrick, they do kill everyone at the end. That they set everybody on fire. So so I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure what you mean by you wanted to see more because everybody died except except Anya yeah. Taylor Joy. And I think what would have been a a I uh, uh you know, pulling the punches is if she had decided at the last minute to step up and you know murder Ray Fines or whatever and save everybody. But she doesn't. He lets her go and she leaves. Like she just kind of looks back at everyone. It's yes. like, you know, he, 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 so long, suckers. Smell you later. And, and you know, she, she just, you know, she has opportunity to stop them. He even says at one point, you could have stopped all this and none of you tried yeah. hard enough, which I thought was mm-hmm. was very pointed so i mean you know again everybody dies at the end except anya taylor <laughs> right you know a, a character yeah, yeah. is no you know talked into you know one character commits suicide you know because you know two characters commit suicide because rape i told two. them to which i, I thought right was yeah pretty dark that this actually went to a slightly darker place than i thought it would the 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 angel investor scene i love not just the angel investor scene but the prelude to the angel investor scene where Anya Taylor joys looking out the window and sees someone carrying a pair of angel wings. Yeah. It's like, what is that going to, you know, that's going to come back, but yeah. how it came back was better than I could imagine. And I think that's the movie captured me in its spell. I, that, that's yeah. what I got to say to you, Patrick well, is, yeah. is the spell of just, the, the, the theater of it and just the, the, the little touches that were really unusual. Like the mm-hmm. fact that this is a production by a lot of the people who made Anchorman. <laughs> and so they, they have mm-hmm. a really good sense of humor. Like Will Ferrell was one of the producers, right? This is an yes. unusual the, I film. Mean, again, that, that comes into the succession element of this. Oh, is like, he part of that it, too? Yeah, because uh, he and um, what's his face? Adam and, McKay. Uh, were co-owners yeah, of of the of a production company, right up until the point that he didn't cast Will Ferrell in the Lakers show Winning Time, and then they're like fuck you, fuck you, and they walked away from the table. Oh, but um, up until that point, their production company was in charge of a, a lot of different movies. Hmm. Um, so uh, it it does have that tone. It just it simply, I guess, is not the humor quite is not quite as biting for me. Right. It, there's a lot of soft landings. Here's, here's where I think I can qualify why uh, it didn't quite work for me. So there's a sequence in which uh, Ralph Fiennes, chef Selwick brings everyone outside and then allows one of his sous chefs uh, played by Rebecca Kuhn 
to explain something to the crowd that seven months ago, he had sexually harassed her on the job, demanding sex. She had denied him. Uh, the next night he had done the same. She had also rejected him. And then he had given her the silent treatment for nearly six months. And he then gives her the opportunity to stamp her in the balls. But it kind of looks like she just stabs him in the thigh. Right. Which is a reference to a story he told, right? I believe it's the chicken thigh you stab uh, with the tiny scissors. Yeah, which but was again, a reference to a story he told about his father? Or or, or is it a, 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 a To Kill a Mockingbird reference? Because oh. uh, Boo Radley uh, stabs his dad with scissors. I don't, re- I don't know how it goes. But again, this is an opportunity... To stab this dude in the balls. Mm -hmm. Because you know what he has coming? Stabbing in the balls. It doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And he goes, all the guys run. (laughs) And they all run for their lives. Only their lives are not in jeopardy. (laughs) They just go off in all these different directions. The other sous chefs run them down. And then they just pick them up by the back of their neck scruff and walk them back to the fucking restaurant so they got some good exercise in it's just a deflation of tension i thought without- that was it reminded me of like weird dark french comedies from the 90s like the the mm. uh bird's egg given to the guy hiding in the chicken coo who was that actor <laughs> Oh, uh, that actor is Arturo Castro. He is a very funny actor. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, oh, I, I thought I just thought here. it was you know he was just looking to embarrass them. You know that that, mm-hmm. that yes, they, exactly. they you know he told you know you know kind of like you know now I'm in charge here. You know you you come in here and you know you give your demands for extra bread and stuff like that, and you know I'm going to embarrass <laughs> you in in front of the women. Because, you know, I told her to run and now you're all running. And like the only one, interestingly, the only one that sticks around is Nicholas Holt, who turns out to be the biggest <laughs> creep of them all. But the rest of them are just like, yes. like the like Judith Light's husband's like, I'll send help and runs away from her. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And, like, and I love on, man, you know, <laughs> You know, who's gonna, you know, who's gonna, they're all a bunch of cowards. They, they, you know, he tells them to run. Yeah, we'll keep the women here. And they run, which is like, you yeah. know, yep. okay, what kind of man would do that? But Nicholas Holt only stuck around to look longingly through the window at what the ladies were getting. That was right. He, he was missing scene. out on a menu item. That's why he, you think it's to rescue people. He's like, I wonder what they're eating. Mm hmm. Oh, his insistence at finding out about the uh, kitchen course that Anya Taylor Taylor Joy got was so good. (laughs) I think Nicholas Holt is might be down for an MVP here because and it's not a surprise. Nicholas Holt has kind of dialed himself into a very specific role type. He's I think for a while Hollywood's like he's a leading man. And again, with the whole leading main thing is we have an entire generation of fantastic character actors. Like if you have a leading person who's a character, he's a weird weird little guy. Yeah. (laughs) He's a Renfield. Um, And he is a true weird little guy in this throughout. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is a very controlled 
dialed in performance that I really enjoy watching. Like the, the camera cannot get enough of him because he is giving you face throughout this. He is flustered. He is incompetent. He is impotent. He is assumed by a desire to know and experience without any appreciation. Um, it, it's it, it's really, really interesting. Again, I don't hate this movie. Mm-hmm. It just didn't go all the way for me sort of deal. But that character in particular, I think, is one of those character highlights. I think the whole Tyler's comeuppance scene and Tyler's bullshit uh, as it is yeah, described. Yeah, I love the I is, love the title cards of the of the different of the different mm-hmm. dishes. <laughs> yes, and that uh, I think my favorite moment. I th- that was the scene that won me over with this movie was Tyler's comeuppance and mm-hmm. him it was Ray finds writing Tyler's name as you would a child's name to make them feel good about themselves and then yeah. talking to about him as if he was a child because he just wanted to be the goodest boy and noticed by senpai yeah and then just flayed in front of everyone I love how he he talks about oh that's an interesting way to cut shallots sure all right <laughs> that was that's how I cut shallots though Patrick <laughs> I'm so bad at chopping well it's a really it's a really good you know because you we, we all work you know either freelance or professionally in industries in which people insist that they could do our jobs better better than we can. Uh, they're not doing mm-hmm. it, but they can do it supposedly, and I and I sure. feel like this is you know mm-hmm. extremely satisfying to be, see someone being basically being forced to oh well you think you can you know you think you can do this job go ahead and do it <laughs> you know you think you're do you want you me to get the aerojet on this yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know he's all you know he's talking shit basically <laughs> with this girl that we learned later that he had hired to be his date for the night. <laughs> And trying to sound like that, you know, you know, he knows all the ins and outs of, you know, what what being a high end chef is like. Yeah. The the idea that A, he got broken up with, but he needed to come to this restaurant to die and have this meal. And then is told, um, it's like it, it, literally in the script, she learns this information and she was just supposed to sit and soak it in with a single tear going down her cheek. And Anna Taylor joy in interviews has been said, like uh, I read that. And I said, I'm sorry, there's no fucking way I'm going to hear this information and just take it in. And the director's like, well, what would you do? She's well, I beat this man. I would attack him. <laughs> and they're like verbally, no, physically, I would strike him. He brought me here to die. And and I guess she convinced them to go around. And it's a very genuine, satisfying moment in the movie. Again, that's one of those things that the many men in, in charge of this movie did not think about. That they relied on this actress to come up with in the moment. So, I don't know. It, that to me, like, sort of speaks volumes. I, I'm glad it's in the movie, mm-hmm. but I also don't feel like they're entirely thinking through some of these decision points and they're relying on the collaborative nature to rescue them out of a 
thematic. I don't know. They're not really going for it. They're 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 striking singles, and I want them to swing for home runs. Is kind of my attitude about it. Right? Could I could I could I repeat though that they that they that they do set fire to everybody <laughs> the at the, this movie at the end yes. of this movie. Uh, that is, we all agree they are made into human s'mores. Exactly. At the end of this cannibalism, like I said. <laughs> But no one eats them. Well, That's you don't know it. that. <laughs> this is true. Gina, John's right. We don't know that no one ate these delicious chocolate and marshmallow covered human beings <laughs> after they were discovered. They just, they, the, the first responders come upon the scene. They're like, what's that smell? It's delicious. It s'mores, and then they just start biting, 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 and they don't know. It's human beings. There's there's skeletons under that charred, delicious charred remains. So we don't know. I, I do I do disagree with with Ray Fines claiming that the that s'mores are a terrible dessert. I think they're a wonderful dessert. That, yeah. I, I, I agree with you, Gina. I think but I think that was a flaw of his character that he uh looked down on that kind of food and look down on cheeseburgers. And that is kind of a, what would you call that? I guess a theme in, yes. in that. Well, he has been driven by an, an, an obsession, mm-hmm. right? If we're going to, let's, let's talk a little bit about chef Slowick mm-hmm. um, while we have the opportunity as we are a character horror character podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, here is, is a man who has risen up the ranks of fine dining to the point in which he has an isolated restaurant that only serves so many people and he can survive doing this and make a very large amount of money, I guess, doing so Mm -hmm. as an exclusive dining experience. And he has an insane amount of, of chefs behind him to execute his menu. Uh, They all live in what could best be described as cult like (laughs) Uh, conditions barracks it is dire they are pooping in front of one another gina that is what they are doing um i honestly it seems a bit prisonish uh to a degree you sleep like he's more really prison. breaking them down to build them back up again but he never bothers with building them back up again well, well because they're all um, they're all there to, they're all there to die it is right. a cult. It, it well, is a cult. I mean, a, you know, it's, it's it's a cult surrounding yes. this this restaurant. And what do cults do? Yeah. They serve the master. And the cults are all, are are only only work for the most part if all the all the finances you know work towards the top. Um. So he's been taking money from all these sources and he's been driving it into building his cult and it's not satisfying him emotionally and it's not satisfying him in terms of his job. He has learned to hate all of this and he wants to burn it all down, but he wants to take everyone else down with him. My question, I guess, is if you are in the sous chef ranks why are you when he goes, Hey, we're going to kill all these people. I'm like in, in great idea. Chef. And he goes, Oh, by the way, you're all dying too. That's where I kind of go. But that was, that wasn't his idea. That was her, the, uh, the sous chef who stabs him's idea. 
Yes. Yeah, she's the one. He, she's the one that suggests yeah. the idea. And again, it, it's a cult. That's you know how did how did yeah. Jonestown mm-hmm. happen? You know how did how did Waco? It was happen? a very Jonestown thing. Yeah. These yeah. you know these are all people who you know they 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 have no sense of self anymore. You know he's the master. They will do what he says, and it's it's you know I can't really explain it. And you know how does any how does any cult end in like a bunch of people you know, committing suicide? I've got a question for you, Gina. Yes. The the mess, the course, the mess. Yes. Uh, if you remember the chef who shoots himself, um, he it seemed like he shot himself because he messed up some dish that was given to the uh, the food critic. Right. There was something that was broken. I, yeah, I think he's the, he, he's the one like one of her one of her sauces started to separate and and it's right, like yeah, this it's was broken. like a like a huge like you know blunder. I I, I don't mm-hmm. know a, a, a lot about fine dining. I've never I've never attended a a you know a, a chef's table tasting or anything right. like that. Um, but you know, one of these characters is a food critic with this obsequious. I guess it's her editor. Um, and so yes. like it, and they're basically nitpicking everything that that mm-hmm. you know normal people probably wouldn't notice it, like you know a sauce is separating slightly and it was like i think it was part of the bread platter which was like like an eye drops worth <laughs> of, of sauce on each plate like mm-hmm. something you you barely would notice and yeah so you know he he goes through basically chef slowing you know in his one of his monologues says, you know, he's he's worked so hard and he will never be good enough. And I mean, you know, yeah, I yeah. honestly, you know, I'd put a bullet in my mouth too. And someone was like yeah. just standing there basically saying, All your hard work has has come to nothing. You have brought yourself you have brought yourself nothing but shame. And so yeah, it's just I, a yeah. The moment where the chef first brings her another plate of broken emulsion and then later an absurd bowl of broken yeah. emulsion was maybe the, my favorite point. In the movie. Oh, she, she, she just fucks with people so much and I love it. Like the whole, the whole uh, interaction with her and the, 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 uh, not they weren't tech bros they were like investors or something like that because one was complaining that they didn't bring bread with the bread plate and they're just like oh i guess you don't know who we are she's like i know who you are (laughs) and and what does she she say like like, the best line is you'll 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 you'll, get you'll eat less than you crave right you'll eat more than you want deserve you'll 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 eat less than you want and more than you deserve and i was just like the best that's that's the part that that's the part that sold me on the, on the whole movie. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I 100% it, go on with whatever this movie is. All her me. chilling lines are so good. And the fact that, that at, at a certain point, like the entire staff begins to see that Chief Slowick knows something about Margot and has picked her out of the group and just wants to know more about her, mm-hmm. has to understand why she's there and all that. You can feel the tension there. Like this has changed the dynamic. Mm-hmm. The dynamic was one way. And now he wants to know everything about her. What's this thing about her? So when he asked her to go get a barrel at a, from the, the smokehouse 
And she's like, okay, I'm going to take this key and I'm going to go to your house <laughs> and, and uh, see what's doing there. And it turns out that his house is a replica of the restaurant. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I like that. What and, was behind and, the door that was wonderful? Did you ever see it? Uh, his office is basically oh. his bedroom. Oh. Uh, he has adorned his bedroom as the entranceway to heaven, as it were, <laughs> with a silver door. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, again, I, I, there's a lot to like. Uh, and there's a knockdown drag out fight between um, Elsa and Margot, uh, which uh, there are two victims. One is that 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 jet, the that air jet thing. Things. Yeah that uh, Nicholas Holt is so into. And the other one is, uh, is Elsa gets a, a knife to the chest um, from Margot in a do uh, in, in a battle to the end. And her dying words are, he didn't tell me about the barrel. <laughs> and I loved her saying, you will not replace me. <laughs> She's so, yeah, the, the cult like nature is, is definitely underlined there. Yeah. Yeah. I think the cult stuff, works really really well and then i just wish like the crypto bros i i just wish everyone had a more personal comeuppance along the way mm -hmm. i wish everyone kind of paid for their sin like little pieces along the way like ted is the one of the few people who gets a, a finger chopped off and it's kind of like oh he he's made you know, a, a, a display of power and obviously convincing Nicholas Holt to go kill himself. But most people don't see his body. So they don't, they just know he's gone off somewhere. Right. I just, I think it would have been more pointed. He does, if, he does humiliate most of them. Like, like, you know, he makes uh, mm -hmm. the older couple try to name a, a, you know, any dish that they've had there at some point. That you know, because I think they said they've been there like right. eleven times. They couldn't remember anything. You know, he he, you know, he told what was it? They calling Doctor Sunshine was the, the, like, the yes. movie that John Leguizamo <laughs> was in, and like how you know clearly you've just you know you've given up. You don't care about your your work anymore, and and you know just kind of you know making everybody feel small. Which you know that's that sometimes and, that's uh, his his assistant yeah his assistant's great sin is going to Brown without accruing any uh, students. Oh, I, oh, that's another lie. It's like it's, what what college do you go to? Brown on scholar on scholar, uh, on student loans? No, I'm sorry, you're dying. <laughs> <laughs> I that's what studying TikTok. I on cackled fire right out now loud. It's that, that particular thing. I chortled. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's just, um, yeah, I, what I want is I, maybe I'm greedy. Maybe the point of the, maybe it's the, the point of this movie is striking too close to home that I want more when plenty has been given to me. So perhaps I need to learn that. I was going to say, maybe it is um, you who needs to yeah. wear a crown made of chocolate. <laughs> it's more of a fez. Yeah. It is more of a fez. It's more like they're wearing Rolos <laughs> on top of their head. <laughs> With a vest of of uh, of marshmallow. Perhaps it is you who will never be satisfied. Truly, I need to look. I need to look at the Hamilton within to see whether or not I will never be satisfied. I think so. 
it's taken a really long time for us to this. We've been doing this Gina, you know, off air for seven years. And I don't think we've ever done a Hamilton joke. So this, this, is, this is a long time coming. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I just like, I wish those crypto bros would, would it's in, there's embarrassment. And then I think there's like, they need to pay a bigger price along the way you know, one person getting their finger cut off, I feel like, okay, there's a starter and then they just don't keep up that pace so that you feel like everyone is like, okay, well, I went through that, but I didn't die. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to live through this by paying attention and, and giving him my undivided attention and trying to listen to everything he says so that I can outlast this. That's the vibe it's trying to give without without a lot of repercussions. So that's where I kind of feel like if it had gone that one extra step, I would a thousand percent be into this. Again, not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. The characters were a little too vague for you and and their comeuppance was a little as a horror character guy. Yeah. Yes. I, the, the raw materials are there. What I feel is somewhat lacking for some of these people, not for all, but for some, particularly the diners. Mm -hmm. I want to like that mom is a complete background character. Yeah. That was a couple really funny beats, (laughs) but what happens? Like it just kind of lets it lay. It's just kind of sitting on the plate. That's why it feels like a weird French comedy. Like the, mm. the, the weird elements and not tying it all in a satisfactory manner does seem very European. Like a lot of those weird Danish comedies and stuff where it's funny sure. and it's good. But I do think that the moments that really hit, hit so well for me that I'd recommend it. Any other character moments that you want to point out in particular, Miss Radcliffe? I mean, I I do like that Nick Nicholas Holt's character is, you know, he's pitiful, and then at the same time, he's absolutely despicable. The same, it, it, and but yet, also you find out the big reveals that he knew this was going to happen like months in advance. Yeah, and yet part of me also thinks mm-hmm. that he thought he would get out of it somehow, like that he you know would be. That that you know, Chef Slowick would recognize him as a true appreciator of of his cuisine, and that he you know he, he would ultimately be spared uh, of the 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 you know, the fate of the other diners. I have no proof of this. It's just something that I think. No, no, I, I think that's a good thought. That actually led me to a, a question: Do you think this is, in a way? Uh, a commentary of the sort of parasocial relationships we all have with our various interests, right? Uh, I'm so into this this movie or uh, this particular author or this uh, creator of some sort of, uh, uh, you know, online content or a movie star, and I am wrapped up in their lives to the point where I think, they will they will recognize me a true appreciator of what they do and in the end no matter what kind of relationship we we have with anyone there is a cutoff point there is a, a an element where 
Um, I am making something and I, uh, and I appreciate your appreciation of it, but that is not an invitation to know me on a personal level. Is that what do you think it's going for? Or is it just going for Stan culture? Um, no, I, I think that you're, you're onto something there because he, it's very important to him that Chef Slowey quote unquote likes him, which, which I, yeah, I, yeah. I find interesting because when I go to a restaurant, I, it doesn't matter to me if the chef likes me or not. Like, like, you know, as long, <laughs> as long as he's not putting bodily fluids in my food, I, I am not, sure. you know, because I'm not, because, again, I am a very small potatoes person. I don't go to the types of restaurants in which the chef may come out and be introduced to, to the, to, to, to the diners. Like, I don't, I'm, again, I've never been part of like a chef's table where it's like just you and like six other people where like you, the chef has created a menu especially for you. So I don't understand that sort of, you desire to be obsequious rather than just simply polite about like you know, a chef or or anyone that kind of industry but it's not because it's you know a respect for their job it's out of a well i i want you to see that i'm one of you and i want you to accept me and and i think that that's yeah. why it is so important to to tyler that Chef Sloig likes him because I think that means in the end that Chef Sloig's like, ah, you know what? You're a true fan. You you can go. We we understand each other. You're not like the rest. You're not like the rest of these these uh, these heathens. Well, I think this reaches into an area I think all three of us can at least speak to in some way, shape, or form, just based on the realities we have at hand. Now, I am a professional writer. I don't really make money doing anything else than putting words on paper and giving it to people in the entertainment industry and then go, here, you may have money for this. So that I'm a professional writer. There are a lot of people who call themselves writers who may write on their own time and it is tough to reach a position in which your writing is worth money but lots of people call themselves writers. Gina, you are both a writer and a movie reviewer, a television critic, right? You have put time and effort into that. You're invited to go places. You may not be at the level of some, but you are far above the level of others. So there is an element of professionalism to that. You have done this for a while. You are very, very good at it, and people recognize your talents. Now, John, you're in the video game sphere in terms of your sort of social and podcasting and entertainment efforts. You work in the entertainment industry beyond that, but right. that's another area where there's a lot of people who consume video game content and would might consider themselves like, oh, I can get on Twitch. Oh, I could, I here's the things that I could do if I were in your shoes. So we're, we're all in positions where there are plenty of people who might fantasize or feel based on, it, it seems easy enough for them. And I, I think I have a modicum of talent and when we express ourselves in very distinct ways about things we know a lot about, and they will come out of the woodwork to tell us, well, 
you obviously don't know what you're talking about, person who has been doing this for a very long time. And that, I feel, is very wrapped in to Tyler. Like, Tyler is the kind of person who would, who wants to be on Chef Slowick's level. He would very much like to be his right hand, but also has none of the skills to back that up. He is an appreciator, but he is not a creator. And uh, it's not a preference that differentiates the two of them. It's literally the time put into it. But there are plenty of people who are those Tylers to us in the online sphere who will come out of the woodwork, Gina, and tell you some sort of element of the business that you really know a lot more about than they do. Well, Tyler, he's he's not a maker. He's a consumer. And and he, yes. you know, and, but he also puts this sort of over the top poetic angle to the way that he consumes food that he thinks, you know, kind of puts him, you know, almost at the same level as, as the people who make the food. You know, he talks about, he, he drops yeah. words like mouthfeel and everything has to be, <laughs> you know, everything has to be photographed before he, because he's showing it off. You know, it's not it's not that he's appreciating it. He he wants to know he wants other people to know that, you know, he's the food guy. You know, he's he's a guy who has yeah. the kind of money that he can that can be thrown around to to, you know, to go out to dinner and, and you know, and spend twelve hundred dollars a person for, you know, six tiny little blobs of food on a plate. You know, that's you know, that <laughs> he spends the kind of money on a single meal that, you know, a lot of people, you know, spend in six months to feed their family. That type of person is not limited to this space. No, 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 no. It, it, again, I, and I mentioned this earlier. They, they think, and my question, you know, and I, and I, and that's why I, I love so much about the the you know, Tyler's come up at scene. Is it's literally, you know, oh, you think you know how this works? Well, come and do it then. Which is yeah. which is something that I feel like people don't say to people who are constantly criticizing their jobs. It's like that old joke. It's like you know I don't come down to your job and smack the dick out of your mouth. You know I mean it's like, you know, it's like um, but well, like that's not what you said when you came down to my job and smacked the dick out of my mouth, Gina. And I was I was doing very well. Thank you very much. But you know the, the, the person the, who owned the, that the, dick the, was very happy at the time, and yet you felt <laughs> this wasn't good enough. Neither for me, but for this other person. You know the, the 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 real thrust of that is, you know, okay, well, if you have so much to say about how this should be done, why are you not doing it then? You, you here, yeah. you like for me in my case would be here. Here's a screener. Write a thousand words on what you think about this movie. You know, make it you know, make it coherent. Yeah. Don't just you know spend six you know five paragraphs recounting the plot. You know, just, you know, write your thoughts down and make it coherent for other people to read. And hey, guess what? It's not that easy. Really, isn't none of these positions that any of us are are in are inherently easy. There's just so much time that's put into it that if you're still doing it at this point like the level of skill that you're doing it at, you know, you have, you've reached an echelon. It may not be the echelon of, of many people, but it is an echelon. Like Johnny, how long have you guys been doing your show now? How many games have you guys <laughs> gone through? At this uh, point? 52. 
this. Wow. <laughs> so, like, I, I would assume that, that you know, in the various echelons of video game entertainment, that obviously there are people who are on, like, a YouTube level or a Twitch level that you would like to reach. Right. But there's a, a sea of people who would love to be on your status. Do you also get people who are kind of like... Oh, you guys are just like making fun of it. It's not that big of a deal. Like, do you get talkbackers on that? Oh, oh yeah. Especially, okay. yeah, we do get some very negative reviews because of our varying skill levels. Like, <laughs> some of us will play through a game on easy, and that is an affront. Some of us will use guides to see how mm-hmm. to do something correctly, and that's terrible. You should never do that, you know. But also, you're, the point of, the, uh, of what you all do is not simply to get through the game, but to get through the game in the most entertaining manner possible. Exactly. Yeah. And that is not something that everyone can do. It's just, it's weird to me that there's always going to be a level of the commentariat who doesn't want to really necessarily add to the conversation, but would very much like to, well, this isn't for me. And I think what you do is junky. Like, there's not a specific reason why I dislike you, but in general, you're bad at it. But I guess I've done that on occasion, too. Like, I, I there's no way I haven't thrown that stone in this glass house that I live in. Right. But I've really tried not to do that uh, so much anymore. Is there a person you would have, you would want to like you so much that you would never put yourself in a position like Tyler did with the, with the chef. Oh, wow. That's a very good question. For me, it's Paul F. Tompkins, 100%. Sure. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, I am, uh, and I've said this on the podcast, I am not cool in a room. <laughs> one, of the, one of the elements, I think, to making it in the business, you really do kind of have to be cool in the room. Right. And I think I do okay. I warm up to people, but I don't have that instant cool in the room. And I've been in the room with Paul F. Tompkins on a couple of occasions. Right. And yeah, I'm a huge fucking fanboy. It just fucking happens. Like, and I'm just like, you know what? People can instantly tell you don't have your shit together. Right. <laughs> they don't want to participate in it. Whereas other people I've gotten to know other stand-up comedians because I'm connected to them through people I know. So I'll have conversations with them almost like I'm a normal person. And I'm like, Hey, all right. I'm not that big of an idiot. Like I'm sure I made an idiot out of myself. Like, um, I, I, Ali Goertz was at a, a party that I was at over Christmas and I was like, hey, you wore a, a fun outfit to uh, that concert that you went to and you posted on Instagram. I don't, I don't want to bother you, but I just thought that was really cool. We ended up talking for 45 fucking minutes. Like she's a huge physical, uh, you know, a, a, a special effects fan. So we, we like talked about that for like half an hour. and It was fine. I, I didn't force the podcast on her. I didn't uh, do anything hyper weird. I just talk to her at a party like she was a human being mm-hmm. and that seemed to work out and so maybe the next time I'm in the room with Paul F. Tompkins I'll be able to talk to him like he's a human being and not this golden podcast god who I've listened to practically every week now for 15 years yeah that that's <laughs> probably my 
uh, deficit that I have. I don't know about you, Gina. I, I mean, there's a lot of movie writers that I like, but also I, I found that that after spending a lot of time on on uh, on film Twitter, a lot of them are insufferable, <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and I don't. I hope that they're not as insufferable in in real life as they as they are online. Uh, I mean. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I think one person that really inspired me to kind of start doing this was Nathan Raven. And and then, like, sure. we actually have become somewhat friendly. So I, I think that if I you know, were to meet him in person, it'd be fine. You know, I don't think I, I don't think I would like, you know, be like, you know, having a having a having a having a, you know, not not be able to <laughs> talk or anything. I, I think it'd be all right. We've had a couple of chats and it's been cool. Um. Yeah, I, there's certainly there's been people who have been on the show that I get very nervous about mm-hmm. uh, ahead of time. And like, I want to make sure that I don't fuck up their experience here. And for the most part, people have, uh, and we've sort of patted ourselves on the back in private, not on the show, patted ourselves on the back, like when they say, oh, I'd love to come back. <laughs> because even if they don't mean it, the fact that they would say that on a recording, I think, means something deep down <laughs> that we they didn't have a terrible experience here. So you want to be a good host. You want to show people a good time. And you you don't want to be such an insufferable fanboy that you just ruin the experience for not only that person, but everyone around you. You don't want to be a bad hang is what it comes down to. <laughs> you, you don't want to, um, you don't want to do, you don't want to, you don't want to end up as Tyler's bullshit. You truly don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Those are, he didn't even clean his leaks is what it comes down to. Maybe those leaks were pre-cleaned. I don't really know. But leaks have a lot of soil and grit in them. Mm-hmm. You have to get in between those individual leaves and really wash them out. They, they, they were probably sandy. I believe the, the note card says they are inedible. <laughs> and I would believe that. <laughs> that raw lamb, too. He did not. Ugh. That wasn't even seared. That was just yeah. raw. Yeah, he just gives up. Mm-hmm. He just, that 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 his stuff is in the pan for a grand total of 20 seconds. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I I, I think we've all proven that, uh, that I'm bad at this and I need to walk away. So at least he has that realization. Now there's two scenes, two other scenes that I think one didn't work in a way that I think Patrick maybe will have something interesting to say about. And one I think did work. The scene I don't think worked was the Coast Guard scene. And, and mm-hmm. the scene that uh, did work was the cheeseburger scene. Yes, I would I would agree with you. I think the, the Coast Guard scene lacks tension, primarily because we have not seen enough people get harmed in a direct result from their actions right. to hold them under sway. And I don't think they need to be, I don't think he needs to like slice someone's throat open in front of everyone else. But I, I do feel like he, he has humiliated them, but he has, they haven't paid costs along the way. And I think that little element would have helped ratchet up the tension in the scene. Whereas when Margot and Elsa are going at it in his private cabin, there's a ton of tension to that scene. So that worked for me. 
The Coast Guard didn't. Um, uh, I agree with you. And the cheeseburger scene, I think, works. I also think it is a, a direct reference to the end of Ready or Not. And if I have to choose between the two movies, Ready or Not, I think, is the more successful version of this type of horror comedy. What do you think, Gina? Uh, well, I think that the cheeseburger scene reminded me a lot of, did either of you see the movie Pig? with uh, Nicholas yes. Cage. Yes. I thought it really mm -hmm. reminded when she found the picture of him cooking a cheeseburger wearing the kiss, kiss the cook apron. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and he just, it's like the only, <laughs> it's like the only time he looks genuinely happy. It, it reminded me of the scene yeah. in Pig when Nicholas Cage uh, runs into one of his old sous chefs who is now running a high-end you know, kind of very you know, she she restaurant, you know, not unlike the Hawthorne where everything's you know you know, everything's served under glass. It's like filled with smoke and like the presentation is all very fussy and and you're catering to a very specific demanding kind of client, and it's completely different mm -hmm. than the the type of restaurant the chef had envisioned himself running at some point and basically Nicholas Cage calls him out on that and says you know yeah you're you know you're running a well-regarded place but are you happy you know, are you happy doing this yeah. and basically he was not and you know I I'm not sure I entirely buy that Slowick was happier flipping burgers because he just does not seem like the type that would do that but definitely you know there was a time when he enjoyed what he was doing whether that was cooking burgers or yeah. cooking, you know, a more, you know, gourmet level food. But I, I do think it, 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 it really hits hard if you're working in for anyone that works in a sort of industry. And, and this basically covers the service industry entirely. I, I'm sure we've all done our time in the service industry, whether it's waiting tables, working as a cook, working in a, working in retail, where you your clientele is people who are incapable of being satisfied. And and people who yeah. come into every situation with you basically where, you know, you know, they're in charge of everything because, you know, they're they're paying for this. So you have to do whatever they say. And I certainly believe there is a, you know, that if your clientele is mostly people who are there to have just a cheeseburger, they're probably a lot easier to please than people who are there to <laughs> yeah. you know, have, you know, something served with like saltwater foam on top, you know, where, where <laughs> the, the whole idea is, you know, uh, I've paid all this money, you know, if my sauce is even the, the, the slightest bit separated, I will shut you down. Yeah. And I could see where that would just wear you down well, after a while. Yeah. No, the 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 bigger you get at, at anything, the the more critical opinions can um, nip at you. You kind of have to be very thick-skinned. I don't know if I am the thickest-skinned person in the world, but then, of course, you know, 
uh, I've been <laughs> I've been able to have a professional entertainment career. I, I've been on the phone with people. An Emmy Award, multi-Emmy Award winner stood up in the middle of a soundstage and said, who wrote this crap? And I had to raise my hand. Oh, I wow. Did. I wrote this crap. Um, waiting for that to show up on Reboot. Uh, but uh, that's neither here nor there. It's just... Yeah, it really is one of those things that uh, I I get the journey of Chef Slowick. That I I absolutely get. It's just that, and you get to see it from his side a lot. You you come around to a lot of his points, and they're not hard. Rich people are fucking insufferable, and they want and want and want. They they never are satisfied. And at a certain point, you kind of have to go, well, maybe you have to be a human s'more. Maybe that will shut you the fuck up. I mean, I and love it. Then we, they we, need more, we need more human s'mores. We really do. <laughs> human s'more 2023. We're all for it here uh, on, on Kill by Kill. Any final thoughts about the menu, Johnny? Uh, I, I think it's... It, at least it's available easily on HBO Max, and uh, yes. I would I'd recommend you watch it. I, I think it's a lot of fun, and uh, not as it's not gory, uh, which is good if you don't like seeing people get ripped apart. But uh, maybe not for this podcast. I know that Patrick particularly <laughs> loves it. Well, I take all comers. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get gore. Sometimes I don't. I don't have to have. I, unlike some horror fans, mm-hmm. don't believe there's only one type of horror movie. <laughs> and that's why I spent part of my Monday uh, schooling dumb motherfuckers that Megan is not the end of horror cinema. Mm. Uh, that's not how that fucking works, you idiot. Um, was that a good use of my time? Was that worth the time I spent doing it? Probably not, but it felt good in my soul. And I think that is where I find satisfaction. What say you, Gina? Yeah, I, I, I honestly loved it. I found it surprising that it went in a couple of ways that I did not expect it to go. Again, going by the trailer, I thought it was going to involve cannibalism. I thought it was going to be sort of a, a most dangerous game type of thing where basically, because they hyped up mm-hmm. the scene in the in the trailer where they send all the men running around the island and I thought it was going to be a much more extended kind of take on that uh i thought i i was very surprised that they did in fact like his plan pretty much was successful in the end you know i obviously he didn't account for anya taylor joy showing up but you know he respected that she wasn't one of them and they let her and he let her go which i i you know thought that was a nice touch and i ultimately at the end he lets her go because uh, he listens to her opinions and she states them plainly and politely and as as a as a sign of respect because they're both in service industries he's like okay you know what you get you played the game and when you play the game you come out on top you get to go and I, I found that satisfying, the way that plays out. I found that intensely satisfying. Of course, um, no menu would be complete without a little thing we like to call Choose Your Own Death Venture, and that's where we decide of the deaths in this motion picture. If you were forced to die that way, which one would you choose and why? Up for bid 
on the menu. We have shoot yourself through the mouth with a fancy ass looking gun. Uh, get stabbed through the heart with a kitchen knife. Mm-hmm. Get dropped from a crane wearing angel wings <laughs> into an infinity pool where you drown. And I think human s'more. Am I missing? Yeah, you're what? missing oh, hang. Hang yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Hang yourself. Yeah. Like, who's going to be choosing hang yourself? Johnny, you're our guest. That means you get to go first. I'm I'm going with, with s'mores because at least you get an edible chocolate hat. <laughs> Well, when it's it's melting on you, you get uh, chocolatey goodness. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Now the flame part, you're still cool with because you are going to be cooked to death. <sighs> yeah, but at least it'll smell good. All that marshmallow and chocolate. <laughs> that's that's very true. You will it will smell delicious. Gina, what say you? I, I don't want to burn to death, uh, so that's a big no. Um, I I think mm-hmm. I'm going to take stab in the chest because I love that character and I want to be her. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> it is a great outfit. She's got a fantastic haircut. I love the hairdo. I love her earrings. Um, you get into a long, uh, a prolonged physical contact fight with Anna Taylor Joy. What's the downside? Exactly. No, exactly. I'm going out with the, the knife to the heart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just show me the downside. I'm going to die anyways. And again, like you, there's no way. No matter how delicious, I'm burning to death. That that is a as a hard pass from one Patrick Hamilton. So that just about does it. Before we go, Josh Hollis does all of our artwork, and Revenge Body does our music. Go to revengebodymemphis at bandcamp.com to get this version of our theme or all of our remixes as well. Uh, John, uh, where can people find out and hear more from you? Uh, out there on the interwebs. Well, you can look up uh, the Square Roots podcast, uh, a fun podcast where we, it's like a book club. We play through an RPG a chunk at a time. Usually takes us between like three and 10 episodes, depending if it's a hundred hours or 20 hours. Uh, So you can find us there. We also do special movie reviews and stuff. We've had the kill by kill folks, at least on one, the Chucky episode. Yes. Yes. We talked about the first child's play. Yeah. Uh, and uh, watch Kung Fu season three and demand a season four, obviously. Yes, absolutely demand a season four. Uh, I don't know whether that outfit in Dallas is going to listen to any of us, <laughs> uh, but we'd like to keep making money through this CW content. Exactly. And I'm not, yeah, uh, please make that happen if you have the ability. Uh, Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about television and movies at thespool.net. By the time this goes up, I will have written, uh, I will have already written a, a, a retrospective on Possession, which is now available on Shudder. And well, I will have reviewed Skinnamarink, which comes out uh, later the week of this recording. Uh, I also have a Substack in which I write about movies in general, not just horror. It's GinaWatchesThings.Substack.com. And I am on Twitter and Instagram under Gina Does Things. 
do it today. People check it out. You know where to find us on the internet. Uh, we're on Twitter. We have a Facebook group, which is really fun. We've got a special chat set up for everybody. We're on Instagram. We got all that good stuff over on Patreon. Uh, we've got some fun stuff happening. Not only are we reviewing uh, Friday the 13th movies and special commentaries at the end of every month, uh, this month's listener's choice will be we will have talked about The Phantom of the Paradise, 1974's <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise, uh, one of the greatest motion pictures ever committed to celluloid. Um, it is a cult classic. Um, very much one cult and it's small town in, in, in Canada, I believe. And then everywhere else, they just saw it on Blu-ray. <laughs> um, it's a great movie. If you haven't watched Phantom of the Paradise, please do it. And then, um, you know, come and join us on Patreon and you can hear us yak about it. That'd be fun. Uh, that just about does it. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue next week. We are talking about one of the wildest episodes of Knight Rider that we've ever watched, which is one. We watched one episode of Knight Rider, and oh my God, does this episode deliver? Gina, did you expect this much action in a Knight Rider uh, episode? I did not. I did not expect this much action. I did not expect this many characters. There's a lot of characters in it. It's a lot of characters. Is this uh, is a team Knight Rider from 1996? Uh, this is no, this is a Ridge okay. Knight Rider. This episode is from 1984. A lot of it takes place on the Universal Backlot, including the Psycho House. Uh, a character who references Psycho constantly, the soundtrack references Psycho constantly. <laughs> Um, and it also is a bit of Rear Window and Taffy O'Connell from uh, Galaxy of Terror is in it, but she's not sexually assaulted by a space worm. So if you were looking forward to that, that only happens in one place. Uh, so join us next week for that. Uh, don't worry, folks. The body count will continue for myself, for Gina, and for John. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.